0: Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley, my partner is Dave Grant. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa, we've got your bass covered, yeah, Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts, and don't forget our website, wefishasa.com. The show is recorded and produced by Berserk Productions down in Lando Lakes, Florida. The man behind the glasses, our executive producer, Brad Nerman. Hey there, Brad. How are you doing? On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnson. We're going to talk about ice electronics. Mike Leonard, Vice President of Governmental Affairs of the American Sport Fishing Association, is going to give us a legislative update on what's going on with the ASA. And I'll get to visit with one of my favorite guys, Chris Zaldane, Bassmaster Elite Pro. Just was a winner in the huge Yamaha Bassmaster Redfish Cup Championship down in Port Aransas, Texas. But first, let's hand it off to Dave Kranz. Hey, David, why don't you bring on Dan Johnson and tell us everything
1: about ice electronics. And Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on Earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston.
2: Hey, Dave, how are you?
1: I am doing good, and uh, the weather's turning cooler and cold, and uh, there's snow in the mountains. There's snow in the uh, upper uh, Midwest uh North and Dakotas, and and, uh, it's kind of crazy. We're coming into this ice season, and uh, we have talked ice the last uh, couple episodes. We talked about ice safety. We talked about basics. Uh, Today, we're going to go into depth on ice electronics, because the ice electronics are, I know how important it is to you, uh, they're not the same as what you have on their boat, are they?
2: Well, You know, the the technology is relatively similar. You know, they still have flashers. You still have... Uh, the, the liquid crystal type graph and so forth. But the way we use them is so advantageous for ice fishing because we're sitting dead still. We're in a boat. You're always moving a little bit. I don't care if you're anchored down or not. Uh, so I think that that in itself, why well, know, is a huge advantage because anything moving down there is at least something moving. It could be a, some floating substrate or, you know, I get that, mm-hmm. but most likely it's a fish and you can see your jig. You can you can tell whether you have bait on your jig. You can what, tell the attitude of fish. You can shoot through ice. You can mark cover. Um, I can go on and on. But And I would say this, you know, we are talking ice fishing, but I would challenge anybody to go ice fishing because it makes you so much better at your electronics in open water. I mean, those of us that use electronics ice fishing a lot, it, I will take to my grave that it makes you a better drop shot fisherman using a graph in open water because you have to really dial in sensitivity and control and looking where your bait is and cone angles and you understand all these things much better in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, you don't have to, for those that are new, you don't have to run out and buy one right away. What I would recommend is go out on when we get First Ice and there's guys using them because there are many different types, different styles, uh, and they all are a little bit different. But go and, and I am about 100% sure that people will show you how it works and what they're looking at, and maybe you can make your own decision based on that because uh, you can also go on and see YouTube videos that they run uh, simulated, uh, um, you know, fishing scenarios. But but seeing one working is, is uh, really uh, the deal, isn't it?
2: Yeah, people will help you. I, I would also say, though, the... I mean, it, they, it, they're they so easy to use because in, with ice fishing electronics, the one I use has a float that centers the transducer. Some have an arm that center it or with a little level or whatever. But assuming you set that right, mine, you literally drop it in the hole. Right. Uh, or I drill a hole next to a hole. Um, so then when you start dropping your jig down, you can see it. So it's not like there's this big owner's manual you got to figure out, especially with a Vexilar flasher. It's ridiculous. You you can adjust your sensitivity. Your jig's going to get wider or thinner, and obviously the deeper you go, the higher you have to set that, or the smaller the jig, or the less reflective content on the jig itself, and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times you can just take that graph and learn so much by just messing with it yourself. And I remember the first time I ever had my old, old FLA. Pixelar, the unit i had when i was in my 20s i dropped it down there and i saw another light come up from the bottom coming at it and i thought something was wrong with my graph until the rod tip went thunk and when you look at the like the spring bobber technology like what st croix has with our legend black and you combine that with good electronics and you understand how fish hit on a lift it makes you lethal when you use them together
1: yeah, there's uh, the technology gets better and better and seems to get better every six months or so, and um, it, it's pretty crazy what we used uh, years ago. But you know, m- many of those flashing techniques still are are very popular and still work for ice fishing. And then there's all you know, there's ice fishing cameras where you can just see the fish. And, and uh, uh, I remember years ago when I was using an Aqua View and. Um, occasionally you'd get a, a, a fish that would come up and actually like a big pike would hit the camera. And that, that's pretty neat too, when you see that. Yeah, I've heard that before. And, and you know, it's funny, the camera
2: deal is so amazing because I've watched bluegills take my ice jig and spit it out and you never see or feel anything. That really humbles you, you know. <laughs> but, you know but the back to the flasher, which is what a lot of us use, you know, Shooting through the ice, if you get good quality ice, just take a little bit of salt water so the transducer doesn't freeze and you can shoot right through it. And you can mark cover as the biggest thing. Like if you, I never want to be, I shouldn't say ever, cold front I will, but I I usually don't want to be right smack in it where the whole thing is just all brush. I'd rather move off a brush pile where I'm showing like a limb or two, and especially the color of the limb that shows it out on the edge of the cone. So you can pull fish to you, especially in clearer water. imagine trying to do that without electronics is almost impossible to take it down to that level of detail um, so it, they are amazing I've told you this before on earlier podcasts that I'd drive home and get the thing if I forgot it it's that important
1: yeah and and I think that's a great tip of not going in the thickest part of the brush pile or a crib or whatever is there but getting out on the edges because we're using really light line and you certainly don't want to have these fish break off on you and uh, that that that's an awesome tip, if, if, so that you're actually pulling them out to where there's more water and less cover.
2: Yeah, you'll see some people drill on a tree and, oh, I got it. I can see, you know, 20 solid lines and half of them are red. And sure, you got it all right, but you're right on top of it. And, you know, unless you fish high and pull them up, that's fine. But I'd rather move off that thing where all of a sudden you only show two solid lines maybe one's red and one's green meaning one's a big one's coming under the graph and another one's out on three four foot away in 20 foot of water but the brush pile is six seven eight nine feet away from you that's a good place to be you know it, because you you know you're pulling them off and it, it's the same thing bass fishing if we're flipping a brush pile and they're biting pretty good the last thing you want to do in my opinion is flip to the heart of it on the first cast how many times do you flip the lead limb out on the edge of it and catch one and not mess up the rest of it? And you end up flipping five out of it instead of getting the one good one on in the middle and getting in there and blowing it out with the trolling motor. Yeah, you got one, but you could have got five. So it's the same thing with using this graph and ice fishing. Setting up over a brush pile is is uh, just really advantageous.
1: Yeah. So uh, so there is important to find cover as as fish but you can locate fish with these also but the uh the cover uh generally if you have cover there'll be bait there and there'll be fish there but not always but but in most circumstances uh uh, i know we we normally don't talk brands or anything but there there's so many good ones out there and and they continue to get better all of them um so i I think people can uh, uh, definitely uh look at to the youtube videos and look at the uh uh you know people that have bought them before and use them and and it's uh it is a personal preference to what what type are you using or do you have multiples
2: well i have got a, a a few of them and i'll I, you know i'll call out Humminbird, obviously they they're they're right up there with anybody in all electronics for all types of fishing great people lorance makes great stuff uh, the vexilar unit for ice fishing is one i've been really intimate with because i've just used it my entire life I'm, I'm comfortable with it now they really went to a lighted flasher more to a a lot more detailed flasher if that makes sense so that the, even the flasher technologies come a long ways but one thing i will say is i do like the the dial around flasher type Technology, whether it's LCD or an actual light or whatever, over an, L- uh, an LCD graph, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a liquid, uh, like a, I wouldn't take the graph off my boat. And take it ice fishing, in my opinion. I would rather use a flasher. I, there's just for a lot of reasons. I, I get better detail. I show things literally coming up to me, meet me to bite it, or they'll come up and leave it, which is even more important. Cause that's a big piece of information. you know. But the, there, there's a lot of brands out there that are great. Um, and I would just say whatever you're comfortable with, they all work.
1: Yeah, and, and when those lines meet, generally, that means they're right on top of it or, or, or have the bait. Have, have you had circumstances that you, you actually set the hook based on what you're seeing?
2: Yeah, and I've done that, especially if I see the line slightly wrinkle. They've got it. My okay. spring bobber hasn't even moved, and that's amazing. But one thing to keep in mind is if you – the different colors on a graph, educate yourself on that. Because if it's green, that means he's out on the edge. And even though he's green and right on your jig – that means he could be three foot away from it, but at the same level. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for people to understand that. But, you know, if he's red and on it, that's, a, that's the juice. I mean, you better watch or lift and hold or get him that bite it because he's right on it. But if it's green in it, your jig, yeah, he's not quite on it yet. He's up to it, but he's off to the side. And it, we don't know what side necessarily because it's a cone. But it's still, it's a lot of information. Now, if it goes green, orange, red, orange, green, gone, means he came in and left. Yeah. you know so if it's and if it's red up to you and red down and gone that means he was on the same line of it but came up to you so so much information and again and then we start making changes do I have the bait rigged right is it the right bait is my jig too big is my line too heavy and pretty soon you put the pieces together and hopefully it's not one of those days where they just flat out mess with you all day which happens but um, a it's, lot of good information.
1: It, it is always good information, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, you know, it, it, I'm looking forward to it. I'm I, 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 more than other years. I, I didn't get the ice fish a whole lot last year. Looking forward to it this year. And thank you again for being on the podcast and uh, explaining some things and helping out the uh, the listeners as you always do.
2: Well, I learn just as much as everybody else does listening. So it's been my pleasure for sure. And look forward to talking to you next week.
1: Thanks, Dan. appreciate it. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on Earth. The WeFish Fish ASA podcast will be right back after these messages.
3: Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use?
2: It's a big debate. For
3: every tour out
0: there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is
4: Sunline. My favorite lines to use is Sunline.
3: How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to.
0: Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, buddy.
3: sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market.
1: Welcome back to the We Fish ASA Podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has been on quite a few times and uh, he has a passion for the outdoors and, uh, and looks after it for all of us. He is Mike Leonard. He is the uh, Vice President of Government Affairs for the American Sport Fishing Association. Welcome back, Mike. Hey, Steve! Happy to be back. Plenty going on. Plenty to talk about. And uh, yeah, always love being on the podcast. So uh, looking forward to the conversation. Well, we would like to have you on and uh, and get uh, the feedback of what's going on uh, politically in the in the outdoor world. And and I know you uh, definitely have your finger on that pulse. And uh, so what's what's happening now? You know, there's it sounds like there's a lot of things going on. And and uh, I, I believe the sport fishing and the outdoor industry is one of those things that uh, is able to cross party lines and, and we get support from, from all sides. And uh, so what's going on uh, currently?
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and um, this is one of the, you know, we're fairly rare times, I think, where I'll have something to talk about that a lot of your listeners might actually be familiar with. You know, usually we're working on this uh, real inside baseball um you know, fishery policy stuff that does never make it onto the, the national news. But um, right now, stuff that uh, is really important to fishing and access and conservation is in the stuff that people are hearing about on the news. So, um, you know, folks have been paying attention to what's been going on in Congress uh, ever since the start of this year. Um, essentially, there has been um, discussion, debate, movement, and then <laughs> lack of movement, and then negotiations all around a couple of big uh, priority packages uh, one deals with infrastructure and um, that has been a bipartisan process not you know 100 percent bipartisan but both parties uh, in general are working together on that and then the other is this broader sort of social spending reconciliation deal that's really just led by Democrats and um, or moderates and uh, progressives are still struggling to come together on a a compromise package somewhere in the, the multi-trillions, and what's going to go in that. But I'll focus on the the first bucket there, which is the infrastructure package, um, and that uh, you know, relatively breaking news, uh, later on Friday, passed the House of Representatives after previously passing the Senate, and um, you know, it's a huge deal. You know, in a lot of ways, it's you know, a historic investment in the nation's infrastructure. But, um, yeah, you might not immediately think that this has anything to do with fishing, but within that infrastructure bill, there are lots and lots and lots of programs that are important to recreational fishing, and it doesn't matter where you fish, whether you're ice fishing or deep sea fishing or anywhere in between, um, things that are really, really important uh, to fisheries conservation and funding. And access and uh, and things that are important to you know, everything that goes into fishing. So um, we were excited to see that get done. Obviously, a lot of that infrastructure bill um, was, uh, as we say, life above the rim for those of us in the fisheries world, where we weren't necessarily in the middle of the negotiations uh, with the White House and Congress on the package as a whole, but. Uh, you know, ASA and partner groups were definitely um, sort of behind the scenes working with uh, congressional offices to ensure that the programs that um, that we care about and that uh, all anglers care about uh, were taken care of as part of this infrastructure bill. And I'll just quickly touch on a couple of those. Uh, one is a program I'm sure Dave we've talked about on this uh, on this podcast before, which is the Sport Fish Restoration and Boating Trust Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really the backbone of uh, fisheries conservation management throughout the country. Um, some anglers may know, some may not know, that there is an excise tax built in the cost of all fishing equipment that you buy. So every rod, reel, line, lure, uh, there's a 10% excise tax that the manufacturers are paying at the first point of sale in the U.S. Um, and that, um, that money goes into this trust fund called the Sport Fish Restoration Boat Trust Fund. And um, most of that ends up going back out to the state fish and wildlife agencies, um, and uh, this is where states are, um, you know, building boat ramps and doing habitat restoration projects and, and running hatcheries, um, you know, really the core management of, uh, of what they're doing, and um, projects that ultimately have to go back to benefit recreational fishing. And that program has to get reauthorized periodically by Congress Um In part, to capture the other main um, revenue stream is the uh, gas tax attributable to small engines and motorboats. So every time the the gas tax is reauthorized as part of the highway bill, um, our trust fund has to get reauthorized, too. Uh, These things are never never a given, uh, especially when um, members of Congress are always looking for how to pay for something else, and maybe they can take money from one program and put it into another. Um, So that's where we have to always fight and make sure that um, this trust fund remains whole uh, gets modernized over time, um, but ultimately make sure that the monies go in, uh, and then ultimately go back out to to support the sport. Uh, and then the other program I'll mention real quick. Uh, yeah, there's there's dozens that I can mention, but um, the other one that's um, pretty historic, um, especially for anadromous fish, the ones that spend part of their lives in the ocean and then uh, part of their lives uh, upstream, like salmon or sturgeon, um, steelhead, is uh, a one billion dollar investment in uh restoring the nation's culverts so yeah. um yeah this is part of infrastructure this is part of um uh you know r- repairing bridges and roads that cross over streams and um a lot of that habits import- habitat is important to these fish these fish that are running upriver and um a lot of our nation's culverts are outdated and barriers to fish passage so a billion dollars ultimately going back out primarily to the state's um, to modernize and uh, improve fish passage at culverts throughout the country. So, like I said, there's a lot more in there than that. Uh, but just a couple of, of major highlights of things that really are, you know, historic. We talk about a lot of what happens is historic, but this truly is, you know, um, in the time I've been in DC, this is one of the bigger deals for, for fisheries policy and funding that I've, I've seen. So, um, so some pretty good news there. We'll see what happens with the other package, the reconciliation bill that. Um, the Democrats are still working through, but for now, we're going to be happy with the win we got here on the infrastructure bill. And um, to be pleased to know that over the coming years, we'll see a lot of good that this will ultimately do to the fishing opportunities throughout the country.
1: Yeah, absolutely good news. And and the uh, uh, I think a lot of people, um, I, I believe that those funds are tied to the number of licenses that each state uh Issues. So, if you're if you're buying multiple states' licenses and you're you're using those facilities there, you you're you're getting benefited all around, aren't they?
4: Yeah, and actually, yeah. So it's really a win-win. Uh, the way the money goes out to the states is that there's a formula-based. You're right, partly on license sales, partly on the size of the state. No state receives more than five percent. No receives less than one percent. Um, but yeah, every time you buy a fishing license, that money's also going back to the states, and the states will use those license dollars to match. Um, sport fish restoration dollars because the for all these projects that get done through the sport fish restoration program, the, the states have to put up money too. So um, yeah, the more your your licenses and supporting states, the more uh, the federal trust funds contributing to these projects too. So it's really you know a cycle of success. And I'll, I'll, for industry, it's it's a benefit too because you know you got to figure the more fishing opportunities we're creating, the more people are going to buy fishing equipment, and that's ultimately more excise tax dollars. So you know it's a great sort of virtuous cycle um that the more we the more we go
1: fishing the more we're uh, benefiting fishing opportunities for the future absolutely and and if anybody who's in the uh industry really should contact the american sport fishing association get get involved as an industry member and and for those of you that are not anybody who goes fishing or cares about the outdoors uh should get uh uh contact keepamericafishing.org. and they're always given updates on things like what Mike's talking about now of what's going on in our industry how we can help uh, if our help is needed uh, you know contacting our legislators to to uh, guide them and and let them know that we do care about what they what they're doing in our world of the outdoors and clean waters accessible waters reasonable uh, you know licenses and and that type of thing and stocking program all of that goes together and i it's uh, uh, we can certainly help ourselves by by participation uh, not only just the fishing end but by by you know letting our our thoughts known correct
4: Yeah, and I think you know what we're seeing in this infrastructure bill to me is a signal that um, the voice of anglers is is starting to be heard in Congress that you know you go back over time um, recreational fishing was sort of an afterthought no one on Capitol Hill was sort of going out of their way to ensure that, you know, the recreational fishing community was taken care of as part of packages, like a a massive infrastructure bill. It was, you know, it was a nice to have thing. Nobody's really against it, but ultimately, you know, members of Congress only have so much time and they focus on what they think are the biggest high priority areas. And, um, you know, I think historically, uh, despite there being, um, you know, anywhere between 40 to 60 million anglers in a given year, um, that um, you know we we didn't make our voices heard enough to where we we're getting the attention we deserve and I feel like um, that's starting to change and things like this infrastructure bill where again there are many many programs in here uh, you know a billion dollars for the Great Lakes restoration initiative which funds um, water quality and habitat restoration products throughout the Great Lakes uh, the Chesapeake Bay program uh, you know for, for striped bass and all the fisheries throughout the Atlantic coast that Chesapeake Bay is an important nursery for um, you know all these programs that are, are being prioritized ultimately because they're good for recreational fishing and members of Congress are realizing, you know, recreational fishing needs to be part of this infrastructure bill. Um, but yeah, that's where, you know, it's not going to happen on its own. Um, if we're not making our voices heard, they're going to go focus on whoever is making their voice heard. So it's really important for anglers to step up, engage with your um, members of Congress. And yeah, it's, you know, things like keep America fishing, uh, go to the website, sign up for alerts. We'll let you know when these opportunities come to, uh, uh, you know, it's usually not that hard. It's just a few clicks, send an email, make a phone call, put something on, something on social media. Um, but ultimately that goes a really long way because it shows that we care enough that, uh, that they need to be paying attention. So, um, definitely encourage uh, folks to, uh, to keep it up. And if you're not engaged yet, um, please start doing so because, um, you know, I think it's, it's easy to take this stuff for granted and think, oh, you know, fishing will always be taken care of and no one's ever going to come after it. And, uh, trust me that's not true whether it's uh, directly or indirectly there are, are plenty of threats to the sport and um we need to make sure we're uh, we got our eye on the ball and are paying attention and uh, ultimately engaging in the less fun side of uh fishing which is the policy stuff that ultimately has a huge impact on our ability to to get out there and enjoy the fun side of fishing
1: so uh, yeah definitely encourage folks to pay attention to keep never fishing and, and tune in and uh and yeah speak up when the time comes absolutely and that's why we've got you guys there uh, uh got having the fishermen's back and the outdoorsman's back that uh you take care of these things and make sure that we're front and foremost in the uh uh minds and eyes of their governing bodies and, and we truly appreciate it and uh we'll uh, we'll call you again for an update down the road uh, thanks again mike for being on the we fish asa podcast yep thanks Dave. Well, i'm sure we'll have something to talk about
4: next time too but uh yeah always appreciate your time
1: Excellent. That was Mike Leonard, Vice President of Governmental Affairs for the American Sport Fishing Association. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back after these messages.
0: The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. while Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV, The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long-control light lure casting. Mag4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And you know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. We love having winners on, love having this guy. He's somebody that we like. He's been with us before. He's a really, really good fisherman and a a good guy. Uh, He does it all very, very professionally, and he proved it just this past weekend when uh, him and his partner nailed a big check in the Bassmaster Redfish Cup. Yeah, I said Redfish Cup. We've got one of the best elite anglers on tour down in Port Aransas, Texas, fishing for redfish. Please welcome Mr. Chris Zaldane. Hey, Chris, how you doing?
3: How's it going,
4: Steve? Glad to be here.
3: And, uh, you know, I just got back to Fort Worth uh, yesterday evening. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, after two days of, uh, after raising that cup, after two days I'm still seeing red, and and what an experience um, to be a part of a kind of a freshwater-saltwater clash. Uh, It was absolutely uh, the best event I've ever been a part of. Freshwater, saltwater, whatever it is. I mean, it was the coolest event. Seeing you know the freshwater bass guys just sync up and match and the camaraderie just went
0: so well uh with those saltwater redfish anglers excellent excellent you know i didn't i, I saw some of the uh the footage on fox sports and bassmaster.com uh, live uh of, of you guys fishing I, I was not able to see the weigh-in um happened that my son was getting married during that and I felt that if I was caught sneaking a peek at my phone I'd probably be in divorce court <laughs> today so I, I, I would have loved to see you holding up the trophy but uh, I mean absolutely how cool was that when, when did you find out they were going to stage this Redfish Cup and when were you invited and why did they choose you?
3: Yeah, so um, a long-time sponsor of mine. So I'm going on my 10th year fishing the Bassmaster Elite Series, and everyone knows that's the premier kind of stage uh, for bass fishing. Um, And uh, Fox Sports 1, you know, recently signed a contract with bass, and that started, uh, you know, all of this year where we streamed live bass fishing events uh, to that network. And it's, it's been a huge success on the bass fishing side. Uh, but about a month ago, um, my longtime sponsor, Skeeter and Yamaha, uh, they approached myself and my wife. We're both Skeeter Yamaha pros. And, and they approached us and said, hey, look, we're throwing this, uh, this, this kind of Redfish Cup championship together with Bassmaster. And we're going to kind of mesh these two worlds since Yamaha has got a huge presence in the saltwater industry. um, They've got, you know, four stroke engines uh, from all different sizes. They got the big XTO saltwater engines that go on those big giant, uh, you know, 30 and 40 foot uh, boats, um, you know, and of course we run the the 250 SHO uh, every season. Um, anyways, they invited us to come down, hop into uh, a bay boat, a Skeeter bay boat, with uh, a Redfish um, Pro. And I've never met my, my partner, Captain Ryan Rickard from, uh, uh, from Tampa, Florida. I've never met him before, but after talking on the phone with them after the invite, I knew that, uh, that we would mesh and sync up real well and uh and how about that after one phone call and uh and two, two days of practice and three days of tournament fishing we ended up winning the cup um but my wife got paired with a guy from louisiana there's three other elite series guys uh there that were paired with you know from all over the gulf area there as well as there were four teams uh, redfish teams that actually qualified for this event so it was absolutely a redfish championship Um, but you know, they invited some bass guys down there and I'll tell you what, the feedback that I have gotten on social media and text messages, I, I hope, and I wish that Bassmaster and Yamaha have this event every season at the end of every season. You know, when guys are sitting in deer stands and and getting ready to duck hunt, whatever it is, man, that red fishing down in Port Aransas is, is smoking hot. And, uh, and when you, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I've never really targeted redfish. And it only took me one day of fishing with Ryan up on those real shallow two foot flats down there in that bay, in that gulf. Um, it only took me one day to really see how these redfish position and feed. And I was hooked instantly. I mean, they are absolutely patternable, and just like a bass, like we do on on the Elite Series, you know, you look for these patterns. Okay, what kind of grass are they on? What kind of sand? What kind of rock or oysters? You know, how does it lay? You know, how does it lay out, and how can we catch more redfish? The exact same thing happens with you know largemouth fishing. So again, I heard every single team that was down there of all ten teams, everyone worked well with their partners and just had an absolute blast. And I know. You know, based on the feedback that the fans had a blast watching as well.
0: Oh, I, can, I, cannot, I cannot imagine. And uh, to learn a new skill and, and and do it on the fly while a big check is on the line has got to be a pressure pack. Uh We had Mark Menendez on last week, and I said, hey, uh, talk to me about how you learned all that uh, uh, Redfish stuff uh, back home in Kentucky. Uh, well there aren't any redfish in Kentucky well what the heck are you doing in Texas man I, they picked he picked it up quickly because they they had the day one lead but but I cannot even imagine uh, a, a redfish guy who's never fished inland going out in a, in a largemouth tournament I think you people uh, <laughs> that from the elites that went redfishing are just unbelievable athletes and fishermen to, to have the success that you did.
3: Yeah, and I said it in that last segment there, you know, if a, if a, a sport fish is patternable, um, you know, you can almost predict where you're going to get your next bite. And, and, and both bass and redfish are absolutely patternable. And that's why you see those big names at the top of, you know, the AOI standings at the end of the year, year after year after year, because they pattern, uh, you know, sport fish really well, like a, a Seth fighter. Uh, you know, some you know, uh, uh, Gerald Swindle, Mike Iconelli, those guys do really, really well in the bass fishing world year after year after year because they're very good at predicting where uh, these predatory fish go, the way they feed. And it is exactly the same in the red fishing world. We're all competitive. We're all brothers in a, in a big kind of competitive sporting manner. Um, but it, it's really cool. You know, when you think freshwater meets saltwater, you think of it, that's bracket water, you know, it's that right. water in between. But here we're talking about freshwater anglers and saltwater anglers. Uh, you know, there's a couple of things that stand out. Well, their boats, their boats are a little bigger. Uh, they can handle bigger water. Uh, they're definitely more expensive. Um, the gear is all the same. It's the same spinning rods, spinning reels, seven foot to seven and a half foot spinning rods and reels, as well as bait casting rods and reels. That's all the same. The braided line's the same. The lures are slightly different in that um, their lures have to stand up to that hard-pulling, you know, 8-, 9-, 10-, 12-pound redfish. Um, So all the hardware, like just the split rings and the hooks are a lot stouter. Uh, The other difference is, you know, a bass fisherman can be lazy in that he fishes in fresh water, and our fresh water is non-corrosive. Those saltwater guys, those poor guys have to, after a long day of fishing, man, they gotta go to the local car wash and wash down everything. All their equipment, the rods, the reels, the boat surface, flush out their engines after every single day out there. So yeah, you're dealing with the sun, the wind, the elements. And then how about that? You got you know, you think your day's done? A bass fisherman's day would be done, but they've got to spend that extra hour cleaning and wiping everything down because you know their, their playing field is a corrosive saltwater playing field. But um, it is so worth it, you know. that, that, I mean, I, that, that is a great... I don't care if I, I, don't, I don't. care if I gotta wipe down a yacht at the end of the day. Like this, <laughs> that, that fishing is something else. I encourage everyone, you know, the guy from Kansas, the guy from Iowa, you know, if he saw what happened on FS1 last week, I encourage everyone to look up the guys or even, you know, take the family down there to, in Port Aransas or Louisiana, not Louisiana, whatever it is, and really try that, that red fishing because it is absolutely a kick in the pants.
0: Hey, you know, I, I have so many questions to ask you, and I think the timing is right for this one because you, you talked about consistently good angler of the year, quality anglers, and you talked about the the brotherhood uh, that exists between the fishermen. Uh, you fished a tournament where you fished against your wife, and, and, and you got up on the stand to get handed the big trophy and, and the big check, yep. and yep. you could have dedicated the win to your lovely wife, but you didn't. Uh, you you went in another direction, yeah. and, and, and you made yeah. you made me cry. I know, and I think there's a lot of people that were uh, that were uh, dripping tears after you talked.
3: Yeah, you know, Steve, I, I didn't I didn't want to bring a lot of attention to, to this, and and this is probably the first time I think I said this. Um, when I was down there, you know, we all know what Aaron Martin's uh, meant to the bass fishing world. I mean, he made he made spinning shots cool. Like he made it okay to throw a spinning rod, in my opinion. And you know, he's just an innovator. He's thr- he's a everyone loves him. And you don't have to be a, a bass fishing fan to to realize and know like this is a sad story. I mean, it really is. I mean, you just say you just for the people who know them, like they know really well, you know, that this is, this is just terrible. Um, but you know, you don't have to know them to know that it's an absolute sad story, but, um, you know, the first day of practice, I decided to not go fishing with my partner that day because I actually ordered on Amazon and, and got all these uh, things together to make these pins and ribbons kind of a, you know, a tribute and, and, and just kind of a, you know, a shout out to Aaron and his family for all that he's done. So I made these purple and silver ribbons for the anglers to wear that week, and these pins with his face on them, and I sent them to the studio in Little Rock, Arkansas, and Mark Stone up there in Michigan, that so we could just kind of represent and, 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 and kind of, uh, you know, uh, really celebrate Aaron's life and what he's done for the sport by wearing those pins so that, that first day of practice I, I let Ryan do his thing and I stayed at the, the, the hotel room there and made these actually pressed these pins and, and made these ribbons uh, and handed them out over there and um, and 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 really I think that's why we won the event. I think I think Aaron Aaron was kinda looking down and and. Uh, I, did, I know he likes saltwater fishing. I know he, he likes catching drum or anything that's cool. And, and I dedicated that land to Aaron and his family there because he's done so much for the sport of fishing, whether it's bass fishing or just any type of fishing. Everyone knows who Aaron is and what he means to the sport.
0: Thank you, Chris Delz- uh, Cr- Thank you, Chris Zaldane, you're making me tear up again. Uh, you're, you're a wonderful human being, and I appreciate your words. Uh, very, very well said. We need to take a quick break, let our sponsors have a word. When we come back, we'll spend a little bit more time with the 2021 Yamaha Bassmaster Redfish Cup champion, Mr. Chris Dane. I'm Steve Sarley. We Fish ASA will
3: be right back. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But i had completely gotten away
4: from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs onto it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube.
0: Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. While well, Diowa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. Mag4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I'm Steve Sarley. Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. We're here with Chris Zaldane. He just won the Bassmaster Redfish Cup Championship this past weekend, uh, proving again why he's a great fisherman and one heck of a nice guy—a true professional in every sense of the word. Let's, let's talk the fishing a little bit more. You're talking about fishing two feet of water. Is that water clear enough to be able to uh, to sight uh, to sight fish? Yeah. So what's really cool about these redfish is again,
3: there's a lot of parallels with bass fishing and that particular part of Texas, quarter uh, it's kind of like a landlocked, um, it's almost like a landlocked ocean in itself. There's only like a couple, like within that 90 mile stretch of fishery we had, there's only like two small openings that go out into the Gulf. So it's really kind of like, a, and it's all salt water, the salinity level is real high, um, but yet there's so much aquatic vegetation that filters out that kind of dirty Gulf water and in some areas it was crystal clear but what we found again going back to the pattern thing what we found was the best clarity uh it was that just a little bit of stain just a little bit of ditch you know and that of course gives predatory fish like a redfish kind of concealment what when they're trying to tra- chase down both mullet or crab or shrimp or whatever it is um so there was definitely a preferred clarity and it happened to be about i would say it was a two to three foot visibility um but it but it was in a foot like a foot eight or a 2.2 foot uh depth zone and that's really what they preferred and as far as lures go man they bite everything a bass would bite but my particular um preference the way i like catching them matter of fact i'm addicted to swim bait fishing but um swim baits is all I threw at them, really, um, from little five-inch paddle tail swim baits uh, all the way up to my six-inch mag Draft swim bait that I use, you know, to catch five, six uptown bass. Um, that mag Draft really worked that last day when we found a good abundance of fish up there on those flats.
0: Excellent. You know, you, you talked about the salinity of the water, uh, and yeah, uh, you, you, you kind of mentioned this earlier, and I want to make sure people understand, you're talking about fishing an area where fresh water is dumping out into the ocean and the salt water and the fresh water are mixing, um, and you said uh, what salinity they favor. Do you have devices that measure the water salinity? No,
3: um, I don't. Uh, well, matter of fact, I do. The only device I have is, is my tongue. And sometimes, and I'm not joking, and sometimes when I'm fishing brackish waters, um, I, I'll just, you know, instead of, I'll just dip my finger in the water and just kind of taste it, or even, like, taste my lure or my line, and oh, yeah, that's salty, or that's not salty. But it, I knew, like, that whole 90-mile stretch we were fishing was all salty because you just look at the side of the boat, or the boat spray, or your. Sunglasses, and you you can see the salt all over all of that stuff. Um, You know, and then, you know, that was that week, but, you know, I've been down the Sabine River, I've been down to South Louisiana, the St. John's River. Those are all brackish fisheries, and that's just kind of the salt test is you just kind of dip your finger in the water, and if it tastes salty, there's a good chance there
4: there aren't any bass that
3: live around, so that's kind of your indicator.
0: Is is there. are there any times when these redfish will move further into the river into more uh, fresh water without salt, or do they have to have that salt to exist? See,
3: that's a good question, Steve. We could Google that together because I know <laughs> nothing about redfish. <laughs> I know nothing. I just know what what they like biting and, and what kind of flats to look for. That's all I know about redfishing. And I know those two things, and I know that I'm hooked on it. That's about all, all right. I know.
0: Now you've got these redfish uh, professionals coming from all over. You've already said Texas and Louisiana and Florida, um, and they do have redfish tours and they do have redfish tournaments all over the place. Uh, talking yeah. talking to these guys, do they find that uh, the, the, their home waters similar Is fish in Florida similar to fish in Texas, or is it? A, am I asking a dumb question? Will be I be asking a? a, a would I be asking the lead angler if uh, the Saint Lawrence River was similar to Lake Lake Gunnersville? You know, and they'd look at me crazy if I asked that question. Would the Would the Would the redfish guys think the same way?
3: Yeah, you know, we had we had anglers from all over. You know, Florida. there was anglers from Florida, there was Florida, uh, uh, anglers from Alabama, all the southern Gulf states. And there was one thing about that uh, Port Aransas that stood out to me because all the anglers were talking about it from Texas all the way to Florida and everywhere in between, they were saying that that Puerto Randis area was very unique. They were saying it's like some of the best redfish you could possibly find in the whole country, the whole Gulf, but it was unique. They did, they, they, the redfish act differently down there. They act more like bass, and they relate only to flats down there and uh and you know there were some anglers that tried some deep water fishing in five six feet of water there was an angler from louisiana that really liked targeting that deeper depth zone but he didn't catch much
4: Mm -hmm. and
3: uh and and most anglers uh agreed that in order to find these schools of redfish this time of year that you had to be up there and sometimes into the water
4: looking for those large schools
0: the, the, the general public uh, has a mistaken opinion of Texas. Uh, I, I guess it's because we don't have globes anymore or maps, but uh, when you say Texas, a lot of the rest of America thinks it's the same place. They don't realize that Texas is not like three or four separate states jammed together. It, it can be like different countries uh, there's so much difference in the areas of Texas from one to the next, and people see Chris yeah. all day and they go, "Oh, Fort Worth, he's fishing home water. He's got to be a favorite yeah, in this." Yeah. They they, they uh, don't they don't realize what what you're doing.
3: Texas is huge. Yep. Texas is huge. Drive home, man. I was. Uh, I the mean, that's drive, seven hours. I mean, that's a that's a that's a full day half or half day driving, and uh, it's a distance away, and, and by no means uh, is the Gulf Shore, close to uh, you know, we call it North Texas. Fort Worth is North
0: Texas. Yeah, by no me that at home water. No, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's cer- it's certainly interesting. Hey, uh, Texas is very misunderstood. Uh, um, it's uh, <laughs> uh, people have a, a a real misconception. They think everybody's walking around wearing you know ten gallon hats and cowboy boots and uh, uh, That's maybe right. some, there maybe. Are some,
3: there are those, but, yeah, definitely Texas is super diverse. Um, depends on where you're at geographically in the state. Um, but, yeah, we do have those, those cowboys, and we do have a lot of horses, a lot of cows, uh, cactus in the, south, you know, the southern. But that Gulf, man, that Gulf region, that is just like a – man, I said it in an interview yesterday. I, I, I feel like – I almost feel guilty for going down there, having a blast, enjoying myself, and it was like a vacation. I almost got paid to go on vacation, if you look at it in some ways. And I almost feel guilty for it. But that that right there is is, uh, is is as competitive as you can get it, you know, getting some of those Elite Series bass guys and Elite Series redfish guys together in one boat. I mean, that is some competitive stuff. And we definitely earned it uh, last week.
0: Yeah, you, you get over that embarrassment real quick. I got a funny feeling that's not going to hang around on Chris Zeldane very long. <laughs> Talked about this you know. I, I love this whole idea of of uh, of uh, changing out species. I would like to see more or go back to uh, combinations. I, I when I talked to Mark Menendez last week, I asked him if he remembered when ESPN did the Great Outdoors game and they put a walleye fisherman, a bass fisherman, in the boat, yeah. and and sent yeah. them out, and and you had to catch both fish. I like that. I wouldn't mind seeing bass and crappie. In, in the same in the same tournament, you know, I I don't necessarily. I
3: love get,
0: You got to find water that holds two good species two of fish. Two
3: different species. You're, yep.
0: But well, why not? Why do why, we got to try more of this, man?
3: Yeah, no. It's here's the thing: is when you and, and now and you know how it is. You got your own show. You know, nowadays it's all about uh, content. People want to consume content. They want to be a part of what we're doing as professionals so when you just have the bass fishing world watching bass fishing tournaments I and mean, that's great that's great we're growing at a slow pace but how about when you kind of mesh together this whole saltwater thing red fishing and that's a whole nother world and then you, you mix it together with the bass fishing thing I mean that is completely two different platforms and when you put them together I mean that's a bunch of different eyes you know and that just kind of Uh, reciprocate with each other, and it's a win for everybody. It's a win for the redfish guys. It's a win for the bass fishing fans. It's just a win for for everyone, the the anglers and the fans and the organizations. It's just a win for everyone. I'd like to see more of that in the future.
0: I I agree. So so I'll call Bassmaster, and I'm sure they'll take my call right away and say, Hey, this is Steve. I got an idea for uh, some multi-species tournaments I want to talk to you about. And make sure you call Chris Eldane and have him as be the first guy you sign up to fish it. After bass, what's the other species you want him to add? And, and, um, and you, can't, you can't say redfish. We, we're talking about I- inland fishing.
3: Yeah, talk about inland fish, man, I, I'm, we can do striper. There are a lot huh. of striper fishing, uh, fishermen across the country. And I always say striper and not crappie because I'm still kind of in this pull hard mode. Uh, I like catching things that pull really hard and eat swim baits. So I, you know, a largemouth striper or largemouth white bass hybrid type, how, type fishery, that would be that'd be really cool. How,
0: how about um, how about largemouth and catfish? Yeah,
3: that too. That too. That'll work as well.
0: Hey, I, I think we're on this, Chris. I think we're on this. The other thing I I'd like to see uh, happen more is have more women in the sport of fishing. Uh, you know, yep. your wife, your wife fishes the Opens. There's nobody fishing at the elite level. There's nobody in Major League Fishing. Man, I cannot believe there are not women good enough. I think that uh, uh, Mrs. Chris Zeldane, Trent Zeldane, will be fishing the elites at some point in her future. Uh, what's stopping this from happening, ma'am? Nothing.
3: Nothing really. Just, you know, you know her kind of mission uh, is to get more girls involved. Uh, and I will say... Uh, you know she's doing a great job, and and, and, and there are uh, there are several other women ambassadors trying to get the the fishing thing involved. And that's the thing about largemouth bass fishing. Um, you know they don't know whether that lure is being casted from a male or a female. They just <laughs> bite because they're hungry or it looks good. Uh, but I will say this: um, women's fishing is becoming uh, cooler and cooler every month, every year. Uh, with the presence of social media, um, you know, women's fishing is growing. It's definitely slower, um, but it is absolutely growing, and it's becoming cooler and cooler uh, every week, without a doubt, uh, to be uh, a female angler.
0: I, I agree. Every Everybody here who fishes, and I talk about that, you know, just fish on the weekend. You, you go down with your buddies, and, and you're pitching lures from the shore or off a boat, whatever. You know what fishing's like with your buddies. Everybody is busting each other's chaps. The insults uh, just yeah. go flying. What's it yeah. like what's it like when you're fishing with with your wife, Trent Zeldane? Is she busting your chaps Are you busting her chaps? Oh, I, yeah. I don't think so. I, oh, yeah. I really
3: okay. Oh yeah. It's um you gotta have to be competitive. A lot of the, the female anglers, especially my wife, um, have played <laughs> Uh, sports growing up, and and you see a lot of that. A lot of female anglers, they play played sports, so they know the whole uh, competition side. And myself and, uh, you know, being married to a, all that fishes, there's always competition going on in, in some uh, form or fashion. And, uh, you know, when I'm at her open, Bassmaster opens, I am 100%, um, you know, not fishing and supporting her, doing laundry, dishes, whatever she needs. Uh, and then vice versa during my tournaments. But, um, but yeah, down there on the second day, they, she ended up catching more weight than our team. And uh, she let me have it that afternoon. For sure. <laughs> and, uh, and I, hey, I wouldn't have it any other way, man. It, it, everything turned out so awesome last week. And, and, uh, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, that half of that prize money, uh, you know, it, we, I split it with, with, my, with my captain, my partner, and uh, and that
4: that share goes into one bank
3: account in our household, so she's not complaining either.
0: That is a beautiful thing. Hey, man, congratulations! Thanks for doing this. You, you really uh, yeah, man. I owe you, man, for for shoehorning us into an incredibly busy schedule. Chris Zeldane just off a huge victory at the Yamaha Bassmaster Redfish Cup Championship presented by Skeeter Boats. Great job! You're a great guy, great fisherman. Uh, look forward to talking to you again. Uh, maybe we'll check in when you're getting ready to win the Classic in the spring. How's that?
3: Sounds good, Steve. Appreciate you having me on. And until next time, uh, keep on catching them. We'll
0: talk to you guys later. Folks, Chris Zeldane. Thanks a lot. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best art fishing show on the radio or the Internet. In the entire USA, I'd like to thank today's guests: Dan Johnson from St. Croix, talking ice electronics, Mike Leonard from the ASA, giving us a legislative update, thank you Mike Leonard, and Chris Dane. what a good guy he was, man, learned an awful lot about redfish today from the uh, Bassmaster Redfish Cup Champion, Chris Dane. Remember, We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week, it's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta Bakers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Yeah, Daiwa Reels. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody we should have on the show, let us know that too. And you can always contact us through the website, wefishasa.com. I'm Steve Starley, my partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week, now let's go fishing.
2: I'm professional angler, Kevin Van Dam. And people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.